We are Friends in Art. An affiliate of the American Council of the Blind. We sing, compose songs and poems, play musical instruments, read and write books, paint pictures, and take photographs. We are playwrights, potters, sculptors, weavers, and storytellers. We are members of the audience and patrons of art museums. We celebrate beauty in all that surrounds us. We are friends in art. Join us in the art parlor for stimulating interviews, thoughtful conversations, and the latest art-related information. Coming soon to ACB Radio. Here is the schedule for On the Inside Track on ACB Radio Mainstream. All times are listed in Eastern and Pacific. Monday, 3 a.m. and p.m. Wednesday, 9 p.m. Thursday, 9 a.m., 3 a.m. and p.m. On the Inside Track on ACB Radio Mainstream. Brought to us by the American Council of the Blind. Welcome to another edition of On the Inside Track. Have you ever wondered how a person became who they are today? How did they come to certain beliefs? How did they choose a particular path? Who or what influenced the person they are now? Join me, Debbie Hazelton, on the inside track as one-on-one my guests and I explore defining moments from there to here on the inside track. Hello and welcome to February edition of On the Inside Track. I am super excited about this month's guest, Deborah Kendrick. I have heard of Deborah Kendrick for so many years. Gail Krause and Paul Edwards used to tell me, and then they equally told her that we should meet. And we met once, I think it was way back in maybe... 91 at a convention we met briefly and we just didn't I mean it was just very brief I think I was in the exhibit hall and um, I'm so glad we did this because I think we do have a lot in common and of course I've read many of Deborah's writings over the years and now she has a book and it's with the National Braille Press And I think that if you don't already know about it, you're going to be thrilled. So join me with Deborah Kendrick. I think this is, not only is this just a phenomenal work, I mean, this is like a credit to the field like none other. I think you deserve an award for this book. I think this is the best piece of anything that NBP could have ever put out. I really am super impressed by this book. Wow. Thank you. I really am. I mean, wow. (laughs) I just, I, I mean, I think that for any of us who have been dealing with doctors and healthcare and this and that and blah, 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 the stuff that you're saying in this book touches all of our lives is so relevant to things that are probably some of the 
worst stuff we ever deal with when we deal with the worst stuff. And you have just captured it in a wonderful way. I really, oh my God, wherever a review is needed, I am happy to give you one. Oh, I really yeah. am. This is like all the years we've ever known of each other. This, <laughs> my, this is my uh, way of filling in <laughs> for all those years. This is my opportunity to give you something for all those years that we haven't had a chance to really start. Oh. I'm, re- I'm super impressed. So nice. Thank you. So tell us the title again. Navigating Healthcare When All They Can See Is That You Can't. That is a brilliant title. Thank you. It is so clever. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it titles really- aren't, aren't my thing. You know, typically um, well, a lot of, you know, the magazines that I've worked for and so forth, I've been really grateful when somebody else puts a title that works on what I've written. But this one, I, I knew the title before I'd written a word. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, pitched it to NBP with that title and was so grateful when she didn't say, oh, let's change that. <laughs> the title needs to be in print and, you know, really, I think rehab people, all kinds of people need to have this book. I, I wish I wish I knew how to make that happen, you know. Cassell Wilson at NBP, she said, she sent me a note when she was editing it, and, you know, it was just so kind. And she said, I am just loving this, and I want to send a copy to my doctor. In fact, I think we ought to figure out a way to send it to all doctors. And, you know, that just really knocked my socks off because she's not blind, but she gets it. I'm still dealing with the kinds of issues that I talk about in the book because I'm still in a little medical maze right now. And I, the doctors that I'm seeing, they don't know that I've written this book. I think about telling, I, I, I told some of the physical therapists and stuff when I was in the hospital, but... actually. I think this should be in special ed curriculums. This, this should go to counseling programs, special ed curriculums. From the, about the author, this book is evidence of her belief that while some make lemonade of lemons, writers turn life experience and observations into material. I just think that's wonderful. That right there. I think, I mean, everything in our lives gives us that opportunity. But that is what you have done with this book. I envision speaking engagements. Have there already been any? Uh, Just, uh, you know, I mean, the local talking book library has invited me to speak to a group. Okay, well. And, you know, this is, you know, a whole other area but one reality is is that i am adjusting to a whole new set of challenges shall we say you know with the stuff that's going on medically with me and the fact that i'm walking with a walker so until the the last couple years speaking was something that i did frequently Mm -hmm. and i have not 
done any speaking. I've been sort of out of sight, I guess. And uh, so the book is a good opportunity to get back into it. I, I did, as kind of a digression, I did a crazy thing about a month ago. Um, I a group of friends that I've made here in St. Pete go to this karaoke night a couple times a month. And in a different life when I was young, that was my first mm-hmm. quote-unquote career yeah. <laughs> um, singing in coffee houses and bars. And I hadn't sung publicly for decades. And I have, you know, I've, I've had various friends bug me to do karaoke and I've never done it. And I thought, you know what? The place where they do it, it's such a dive. I'm not going to know anybody there. I'll never see those people again. So I got dressed all cute and went up there with my walker <laughs> and sang my song. And and it was so much fun. And <laughs> Um, so, and I, I thought, okay, you know, I can, I can do this. I am still, I'm still me and, uh, I can do this in a way, this book, if it leads to my jumping back into the speaking arena, that will be the gift to me of the book. And, um, and that'll be more material. There you go. Well, and also don't forget that there are conferences and things that go on with zoom and, I've yeah. done them, and, you know, that's another way that I could certainly see. In fact, if anybody asks me, you know, who I would recommend, <laughs> uh, and a top, right. and I actually have a friend, I don't know if you know Marilyn Volker, but she's been on my show in the past. She's a sexologist, and she is a superb advocate for people of all different situations in life and lifestyles and you name it and um she would absolutely she's um temporarily (laughs) able-bodied right right she would love this book so and she will definitely help other people know about it she will love this i love this if you happen to be blind Chances are you are familiar with the augmented chord frequently played in the healthcare sonata. I just love that about the augmented chord in the <laughs> sonata. That is just very descriptive. <laughs> and do you recognize it? Does this resonate with you, Debbie? Have you been there? <laughs> Yes, so many times, so many, many so many of your suggestions are things that I do, and I haven't actually had them trying to unbutton my clothes, but I have had (laughs) pull me and and all those things. And I had a, a nurse one time. I wanted to go to. We had a really neat doctor on our campus, college campus, and she left and she went into pediatric medicine. And she was the only doctor I knew of when I had something going on with my stomach. So I called her and I said, can I come to your clinic? And she said, yes. Well, I think her nurse thought that if I was there in the pediatric clinic and I was older, that I must be developmentally delayed or something. So she came up to me and she said, Okay, now we're gonna go tee tee in this little cup. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh my. <laughs> he said, no, it's okay. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, oh, okay. You know, when my kids were growing up, my oldest daughter is chronic asthmatic and has multiple allergies. So we were in and out of hospital with her from the time she was 18 months old, uh, where she would just have terrible reactions to things and have difficulty breathing. When she was 11, she and her brother were roller skating on the neighbor's driveway because it had such a steep hill and they thought it was a really cool place to roller skate. And she broke her arm. And even, gosh, there's so many you know stories connected with that because I've always worked at home. That's really how I became a writer was mm-hmm. I had been teaching before she was born and I didn't want, once I met her, I didn't want anyone else to take care of my children but me. So I had to find a way of generating income at home. So by the time my kids were in school, they knew if I am on the phone, you do not interrupt me because I could be interviewing, you know, some famous person. So my my poor son was standing in my office trying to get my attention and to tell me, and I wasn't even interviewing anybody. I was chatting with a friend, but he was nine. He didn't know the difference. And anyway, so finally, mommy, Mommy, Melinda fell, and and she's crying. Anyway, so yes, indeed, she'd broken her arm, so we went to the hospital, and we're in the emergency room, and the kid's having an asthma attack. And so, because her asthma is induced by many things, environmental conditions, exercise, stress, a little bit of stress when you break your arm. Yeah. So, So she's having an asthma attack, and they're, you know, Everybody's rushing around to get the the um, epinephrine and the breathing machine going and all this stuff, and nobody was paying any attention to why we were there. And finally, she's like, "What about my arm?" <laughs> and, and I think of that, you know, especially these last couple years when I've been in all these situations where I'm having you know, major surgery, and I just want to get out of bed and learn to walk again, and the physical therapist or the occupational therapist comes in and looks into my eyes and says, so how much can you actually see? Yeah. You, can see you can see me, right? Oh. And, you know, and it's so difficult not to be sarcastic, you mm-hmm. know, like, and and a few times I have failed myself, but most of the time, you know, I, I managed to say, you know, that's really not relevant right here. What we want to talk about is my leg, and I have that 11-year-old child in my ear saying, what about my arm? <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, but I, I, you know, we all know blindness is sort of, uh, is the leading fear of most Americans, right up there with, you know, cancer and a couple of other things. But um, so they see us and they, their, their fears get afraid, meddling yeah. around, I guess. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> yeah, and I think we get, we get that fear 
and those doubts. And if we don't know any better, they really affect our self-esteem. And even when we do know better, I mean, we, I think, have to work, many of us have to work to, you know, build and have good self-esteem, good self-confidence. Yeah, yeah. It's Well, yeah. and I, I think sometimes... Um, I don't know that I actually have any extraordinary amount of self-confidence or um, bravado or any of that. What I know is how to play that person. <laughs> not, not on TV, but in the situations that matter. You know what I mean? I, I, know, I know how to... How to work with my own devices. I think I'm probably an introvert, but I'm an introvert who um, exhibits as an extrovert much of the mm -hmm. time because mm -hmm. that's what you do to survive. Yeah, to communicate with people. You talk about two adages right up front that are important. Yeah, Our, I do. Mm -hmm. Nothing about us without us. Nothing about yes. me without me. Mm -hmm. Interesting, yeah. And how to work with those, how to, because really, I remember going into a doctor's office and being very surprised that I had to tell the doctor what I needed. And I walked out thinking, if I didn't know what I needed, nothing would have happened. I yeah. mean, we really have to right. be knowledgeable and we have to be our own advocates. Yes, I think it's changing somewhat in terms of, you know, in our society in general, but there are still so many people, and this isn't a blind thing, this is an across-the-board thing, who you ask them what medicines they're taking and they don't know, they and don't you know. ask them what um, their condition is and they don't know, mm -hmm. or, you know, what, what, what did the doctor say? Well, he said, I have to do this or that, and why, and they don't know. I don't know. And I you can't, if you're going to be healthy and you're going to survive this current medical climate, you better know. You, and, and sometimes I've dropped that ball myself um, in, in this last saga over the last couple years. There have been a few times when I just kind of, well, go with the flow. This is what the doctor said so I guess that's and then mistakes have been made because mm -hmm. nobody knows me as well as I know me well they're um, very careful when you have when people have surgery now they will have several different people asking the same questions now which limb are we removing and in right they right. are making more sure because of the medical errors I knew I knew a nurse years ago, she and her husband, her husband was the doctor, she was the nurse, and she told a story about a woman that came in and, and her husband, the doctor said, well, what's going on? And she said, well, I have a little discharge. And he said, okay, get undressed, we're doing a pelvic exam, and they did the pelvic exam. And he said, well, we didn't find anything, so you know, what else is going on? And she said, well, nothing there. I was trying to say it was a discharge from my nose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I think, 
<laughs> I wish I'd had that for the book. Isn't That's that great? great? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, gosh. Mm. Oftentimes, people who are blind are not encouraged to think for ourselves, to express. We're often told, no, no, no. Don't you worry about it, honey. One thing, if it's okay, I would like to read a little Absolutely. Piece. I'll tell you why. Because one thing that Cassell said to me when we were talking about the book and she was great and she loved the idea from the beginning. She said, I don't want an autobiography. This is not a memoir. And I said, not to worry. What I want people to know who have not read this book is this is not a book about me. And this is not a book about Medicare or insurance or any of that. It's a book about how to take care of yourself if you happen to be blind and how to be prepared for medical situations and how to advocate for yourself. And there's one section here where I say that. The heading on this section is, and this kind of says it all too, and could be another adage or rallying cry, if you will, blindness according to you. Blindness according to you. Every human being is unique and every human being who is blind has a unique experience of blindness. Maybe you love lengthy verbal descriptions of your surroundings. Maybe the only way you get a physical environment into your head is by exploring it with your own remaining senses to see the room with your ears, nose, hands, and feet. If you suddenly find yourself in the role of hospital patient, those tending to your health will know what you need only if you teach them. While obtaining information that you need and deserve, it is also important to offer some facts to make you and your medical team more comfortable. For one thing, the reciprocal ebb and flow of conversation makes you more interesting and therefore remembered individual in the ears and eyes of the medical professionals holding your care in their hands. Beyond that, you may be the only or the first or second or third blind person this staff has encountered. You are for sure the only you they have ever met. Again, thinking about these things before you are in the situation helps you streamline your concise introduction to the thumbnail sketch of you as a blind person. One or two basic statements or requests is often all there is time for so be sure you mention ones that matter. Here are a few suggestions you might want to share as you get settled in your temporary home. Knock before entering. Identify yourself. Explain why you are here. If you can't see someone entering the room, a person suddenly in your face is pretty startling. Since you can't see what people are wearing or carrying, a simple announcement like, I'm here to draw some blood or I'm here to empty the trash goes a long way toward maintaining a blind person's comfort level. More than one blind person has relayed to me the alarming experience of having one's arms suddenly snapped with a tourniquet without verbal introduction. More than one blind person has relayed to me the experience of having a tray of food dropped off without knowing that dinner has arrived. Speaking of dinner, one widespread 
and worn out bit of trivia about what we blind people need is the old plate as a clock face routine. Maybe you are one who appreciates a sighted person telling you that your lima beans are at 12 o'clock and your macaroni at three. If not, just say, thanks, but I don't need that. Or thanks, but it's more important that you tell me the food is here than where it is on the plate to inject a little lightheartedness into the explanation. How you experience blindness and or which information you treasure most as a blind person is your own unique perspective. That's the, the, the heart of the book for me in a way because it's all about medical environments and situations, but I just want people to take charge of themselves. You know, that I know that's whenever I did, I was, I was stronger. I was healthier. Things had better outcomes. Oh, you're probably the only other person I know other than me who doesn't (laughs) like that clock method. Almost everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I didn't say I didn't like it. I was trying to be objective, but you're right. (laughs) Well, I don't like it. I have been so frustrated with that at times that I have literally picked up my plate and turned it. Just (laughs) It's so funny, isn't it? The things that people, and they're so proud of themselves. So sometimes... I can't bring myself to say, I don't care. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I try, you know, I try to be really polite about it and say, that's not necessary. Thank you. But I mean, people many years ago, I went to an ACB convention and they had trained everyone. And so they went around the room at a luncheon and they said, your lasagna is at six o'clock. Your salad is at nine. <laughs> And they said it to every single person around. Oh, so they set up all the plates the same way you mean? Okay. Okay. And they announced it individually to every person. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. That was back in the 80s. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, uh, it is really so much more important to know that the food's here than where it is on the plate. Because, you know, if you know the plate's there, you're going to find the food. Well, you know, I remember, I mean, I, you know, times that I've been in the hospital and I remember times where they would try to talk to the person I was with and they would take them out of the room and, and I'd say, you know, no, you need to talk to me about me and that whole thing. But they also would put on my chart and they would put a sign over my bed, PT is blind. And I hated that. Oh, there's a part about that in here. Why oh. the, the subhead is blind but intelligent. Well, I wanted to put something under that sign that said something like, but you don't have to wind me up. Or right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yet I'm thinking, okay, but we have so many people from other languages and cultures now that either can't read or can only minimally read, can only minimally understand a language. And many of them are people who, you know, they go, they pick up trays, they drop off. They go, they do things, and they don't 
really necessarily get that piece that says, this is a person. Talk yeah. to people. Talk to this person. They're not, they get procedures. Personally, I think the whole idea of noting your blindness at all, it offends me, and yet at the same time, I understand mm-hmm. the importance. I, you know, I, I just have really mixed feelings about me that, too. but that yeah. goes off into a whole other territory because yeah. all of my life, my thing about like making travel arrangements, for example, I would never tell on the phone an airline agent or a hotel person or, you know, anybody of that sort that I'm blind before I get there because it's not relevant. It's not their business. They don't need to know. But uh, now I will say um, so many people are doing that anymore. And in these last two years with having, you know, now kind of multiple disabilities, I do right away. You know, when I'm making an airline reservation, I say, you know, the dreaded words. I need the dreaded wheelchair. (laughs) Oh, man, after all those years of fighting it. And so now I need it, right? So it's really humbling. But (laughs) in fact, in the Cincinnati airport, which is, you know, where I'm from, they a lot of the guys there know me really well and when i first showed up there two years ago um i was i was didn't have the walker i had graduated to the cane but i still couldn't walk distances mm-hmm. and but I, I i was um dropped off to for the curb check-in and one of the guys said to me oh yeah i know you don't get a wheelchair you just want somebody to walk with you and i said wait wait Actually, I do need a wheelchair today. I (laughs) do. Eat them words. Um, (laughs) Do they ask you on the phone, are you a wheelchair? That's a great question. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) I'm like, no, I'm a dog. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You talk in here also about attitudes that we need to have beyond our technology and our techniques. You talk about the attitudes that we will need to have in order to negotiate some of these things. Like sometimes it's not just that we need the other people to get it right, which they often don't, but how we approach. Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, as difficult as it is at times I think it's really important not to be angry or caustic or combative in any way because it accomplishes nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, A smile goes such a long way and when you can pull it together a joke works really well too you know like sometimes you know you want to make a really snarky joke like (laughs) you know how can you see my face? No, and I'm really glad, you know. <laughs> so, but I don't say that. But it's fun to think it because then it at least puts a smile on your face for the wrong reason, right? <laughs> um, but, but I think it's important to, and I talk a little bit in here about gratitude. I was. I, I think it's it's important to express gratitude to people who are. You know, when I was, I've been in, you know, as I said, uh, at least five hospitalizations in the last three years. So I've had some practice. And 
you know, those people who come and take your tray away or sweep the floor, they have a job to do. And um, I would find it really touching sometimes that, you know, somebody would come in and say, and I would say, who are you? Oh, I'm just the housekeeper. Hey, thank you, because it's really important to me to have a clean place to sleep. You know, (laughs) I really appreciate it. So, uh, you know, just to, and, or um, to say thank you to the person. One thing I, as I said, I'm not sure that I'm in favor of there being a note to tell staff that you're blind. On the other hand, um, I have asked them to put notes that say things like identify yourself mm-hmm. or knock before coming in because um, sometimes if, if say the door is already open and somebody just walks in, well, it's really startling. And I, I do have a hearing impairment as well, so I'm not necessarily going to hear them if they don't speak to me. So having someone identify themselves is really, really important. And I tried to remember to say thank you when they, you know, yes. and by the way, you know, as they were leaving, thank you for telling me it was you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to know that it's you, you know. I think those thank yous go a long way. Yeah. They, they really yeah. do. I mean, it's so, it is fun to get the, to think of the sarcastic things and, you know, like <laughs> it's fun to get together with people and that we know and be able to say, to say those things. It really is, you know, but, but it's also so nice when that bond is suddenly there and that person comes in and they remember and they, they might say, wow, you know, you're the one person who appreciates what I do. Thank you. You're the one person who's told me that. Yeah. Yeah. It's also fun, you know, thinking about the things that you that would be completely inappropriate <laughs> to say when you're with the medical professionals, but so fun to laugh about with your other blind friends or other mm-hmm. people who get it. And um, one category is when you kind of outsmart them. And uh, after this last surgery, I went to a rehab facility for 10 days, which I could write up whole book about that <laughs> but, because I don't think I will ever do it again but when I got there okay I had been using a walker in the hospital now I'd been in the hospital for four or five days following my surgery I was walking around with a walker but they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom in the hospital they wouldn't let me go to the bathroom without alerting someone which was ridiculous because I felt great and I was able to walk to the bathroom, but I, you know, I had to call the nurse to say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to the bathroom now. And then they would come in Well, they didn't go into the bathroom with me, but they had to watch me walk to the bathroom. And then, you know, I was okay. So I got to the rehab facility and I arrived in a wheelchair, you know, because that's always hospital and rehab place policy Mm -hmm. that you travel from car to building Mm -hmm. in a wheelchair. So I came in a wheelchair. They took me upstairs in a wheelchair, but I have my walker on my lap folded up. So they get me upstairs. And when we got into my room and I didn't even plan this, I was just so proud of myself that it kind of was came into my brain. So I just stood up 
And as we came into my room, I stood up with the walker and I said, okay, now this is probably going to be a little bit tedious for you, but I need to see the room. And the only way I can see it is to walk around it. So um, forgive me if this takes a few minutes, but, and I just started walking. Okay, so what's this? Okay, that's the closet, that's the dresser, there's the bed. Okay, there's a table, there's the phone, blah, blah, blah. And then I came to the bathroom and I, what's this door? Oh, that's the bathroom. And I said, perfect, just in time. I need to go, I'll be right back. And I went in and I was thinking to myself, Yay! Now they'll never know that they made me ask in the hospital. <laughs> and sure enough, it never, I, you know, there were lots yeah. of people on the floor who had to call when they had to go to the bathroom. But since I just, you know, walked when, in, <laughs> nobody ever questioned that, that piece. But that was the kind of thing that I couldn't tell anybody there, you know, like the great victory that I felt I had to celebrate. Little freedoms. Wow. <laughs> you have a lot in there about filling out forms, and boy, oh boy, I bet that has been a big one for a lot of people to yes. go to the doctor's office and have where they have all those forms. I see an increasing number of facilities becoming more sensitive to it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it's amazing, you know, what what a difference a day makes, right? I mean, just four years ago, yeah, I'm sure it was 2016, I was in a, a medical office where I'd been before, but I hadn't been there for a while, and the assistant, and I don't even know what her role was, she was some kind of medical assistant, did the, the horrible thing of squatting down in front of me and yelling, you know, a couple of questions, and I said, um, you know what, this is really inappropriate. If we're going to fill out a form, we need to go somewhere where my medical history isn't being announced. And she was so angry, and she led the way down the hall to a, a room. But on the way there, she said, this is totally inappropriate. You should not have come here without your caregiver. And I said, I am my caregiver, so I, I brought her. I'm here. So, oh, my so, God. But... But then, just two years ago, I went to an ENT where I'd never been before. They didn't know me. And again, not being my policy, I didn't tell them I was blind on the phone because I was there because I thought I had an ear infection. I didn't have anything to do with blindness. But the um, the receptionist said, I've got some medical forms um, for you to fill out and... Uh, for your privacy, is it okay with you if we go down the hall? And I wanted to hug her, like, yeah. wow, bless wow. you, yeah, I sure do. I so, yes. so I think, um, and also, for the first time, and I thought a lot about the book, our world technologically is expanding exponentially, as I know you know. I mean, Today's technology is obsolete before you can blink. And so I say in the book that I I didn't address the business of patient portals because they're all so different and some are accessible and some are not. And I, I thought about that because for the first time in my life a week ago, I filled out a patient history online by myself it was very detailed. I've never been able to do that before. 
so I, I thought, well, this is this is good. I mean, that doesn't mean that there are lots of them, but there's at least one over here in Florida at the, <laughs> at wow. the Moffitt Cancer that Center. Good. That is yeah. good. Yeah, it was it was thrilling. I mean, it's kind of sad, isn't it, that something so simple is thrilling? But yeah, really. But yeah, talk about the little freedoms. Well, yeah. one dentist office they told me that if I didn't bring someone else with me to fill out papers on my second visit, even though one of their office staff had helped me with the first one, if I didn't bring someone, they would not see me. And their dentist backed them up. So, oh my gosh, that's insane. So, so what did you do? I didn't go back. Good, good. Thank you. No, that makes me very happy to hear that. That's just ridiculous. I mean, it's crazy. And he said, well, what if it's, you know, like our word, your word against ours or something like that? And, you know, um, and I said, well, you know, I should have the same rights as anyone else. And, uh, whew, wow. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a, a, a blind couple um, who are my friends told me about some, a similar situation where the staff was asking them, well, how did you get here? And they said, well, that really isn't relevant or you business you know i usually say horse and buggy (laughs) (laughs) i came on my magic carpet Um, is anybody (laughs) coming back to get you i no. i thought i'd spend the night (laughs) (laughs) so bad (laughs) yeah 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 we could have a lot of fun together i think debbie And one time a nurse asked me if i she said i've never seen you here before do you live in a group home? And other people said, I should have said no. Do you? <laughs> <laughs> I know. There's, it's, it's just always like so disappointing to me when I think of things later, what I could I have know. said. Yeah. <laughs> or that would have been fun. <laughs> amazing. It's just amazing. But when we do go that extra mile, just treat them in a humane way and establish that rapport, sometimes it really can help. I have heard other blind people say that we should not go so far to just be grateful. Have you heard of this? Well, I, I, think, I think there's um, there's a fine line. I think gratitude is an important human quality mm-hmm. that all of us need to be expressing more uh, to the universe and to one another. But on the other hand, I think that all too often blind people and people with other disabilities are encouraged to grovel with gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that is not, you're not going to get that from me and you're not going to hear me endorsing that in anyone else. I mean, it's, you know, that whole what's the word you know it's just so maudlin i've heard you know newly blind people in particular be so excessively grateful for the simplest thing like a you know hostess in a restaurant showing them to a table well for that's her job get Mm -hmm. over it you know i mean you can say thank you 
<laughs> be courteous, but you don't need to grovel and kiss her feet. Yeah. Just because you couldn't see well enough to find the table. I think, I guess maybe how I would sum it up is express gratitude, but don't, um, don't let go of your dignity. You know, there you, you respect yourself and expect others to respect you. Sometimes some of us get very uncomfortable when someone else, when another person who's blind is being assertive or is advocating. And I mean, I've, I've had times where there are blind people that are just like, oh, no, oh, no. You know, so I wonder yeah. how, how have you felt... I don't know how many other people who are blind know about this book, but certainly they know you as someone who's spoken out or spoken up. And they know you as someone who who writes. I hope you feel that people appreciate you for who you are and what you do. I'll leave it at that. You know, I hope that you have felt that. Oh, well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, feel it right now thank you well that's what counts that's what counts (laughs) because i i think we as a community are not always as maybe nice to each other i certainly have roads and of being not so nice and or of having not niceness and i think we have enough to deal with and i i have had some you know challenging moments over the years where I felt that people resented something that I did that was well done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I don't get that. I don't get that. I think when I was very young, here's the only way I ever experienced being on the other side of that. When I was very young and everybody wanted to tell me about Helen Keller, I was so mad. I was furious. Stupid Helen Keller. I don't want to hear about Helen Keller. You know, I don't have anything to do with her. She's icky. You know, blah. well, you know what? I adore Helen Keller and mm-hmm. how I wish I could have known her. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, when her, when AFB published that little book of quotes of hers, I had a print copy in my office and, um, Actually, a guy I had just started dating was in my office and he saw the book and he picked it up and he said, oh my gosh, she was so pretty. And I just wanted to cry because I thought I had no idea because Mm -hmm. that little kid me was so resentful. But it was because I wanted what we all want. We all want to blend in, to fit in. Helen Keller did not blend in and fit in. She was different. And so, but that's, but since then, A, I adore Helen Keller and I've read, I think just about everything she's written and has been written about her. Mm-hmm. And B, it is just so, um, such an intrinsic part of who I am that I love, love, love promoting other blind people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been writing a series in Access World about called Employment Matters, about the jobs that blind people are doing where they've been, you know, I'm been, people who have been extremely successful, primarily in fields where we might not expect them to. 
and um, and whenever given the opportunity, I promote the small businesses of blind people that I know so that people will buy from them. And I just, to me, that's such a natural thing to do, to promote one another. Yeah, that is, that is beautiful. That is really good. And many times I will tell people that I think that every disability in a way presents all of us with a riddle of how can we live outside of the box? Like how can we all learn to live more in the unseen and where are the moving experiences really? They're within us. They're not, they don't have to do limbs. And I use Helen Keller as an example of, do you think that Helen Keller listened to the still small voice within? I think she Mm -hmm. did. And yeah, you know, those abilities that are shown to us that invite us all of us. I really, I really like that. We we were meant to, we were just meant to connect. I mean, I'm just so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's a superb book. I really, really love it. What else do you want to say about what's in it or what else you want people to get anything i hope that if people read it and find ideas and renew the strength that they already have in these situations from it that they let me know um because it's really nice to know that you're you know you you write this stuff and you send it out into the universe and it's nice to know if it's if you know to have an echo <laughs> have an echo have it echoed back to you um that and but then the other thing that i would like uh you to know and other people to know is that um i'm working on another book for national braille press right now on combined hearing and vision loss so oh excellent yeah. again you know personal experience is material I think you are finding things that are unique, that are really needed. Like, I mean, you know, we've got tons of iPhone books and tons of technology books and, and you know, craft books out there and all kinds of things. But to me, this book and the book that you're working on, these are, I think, kind of uncharted territory you know, that haven't really written about as much. And yeah. Wow. I I think, um, you know, where, where a lot of it comes from is what I wish I had, you know, like the, instead of, you know, stumbling through some of those early experiences with healthcare and, you know, having to solve that riddle, as you put it, of how to live with this situation, you know, uh, I, it, I, I think that I would have welcomed a bit of a guidebook, and, um, and I'm hoping that the same will be true about this other, because, you know, as I, well, we'll wait for that book, but I spent a lot of years um, 
hiding hearing impairment and oh it's uh, not sudden yeah it's not sudden okay no 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 i've i've actually had some hearing impairment it was first identified when i was 15 or 16 but i i ignored that mhm yeah, as did my parents so mm-hmm. so no it's not new i've had a lot of a lot of years to sort it out and figure it out so now you know for one thing i could be a uh i could be a uh poster child or salesperson for hearing aids <laughs> i'm a great fan of hearing aids mm-hmm. yeah well you probably know what works and what doesn't somewhat you know, what's yeah. worked better over the years I mean, I know of a number of people who are blind that also deal with hearing loss. A, yes. A number, and it's scary. Yes. You know, I don't know why that is or, you know, if there's any particular reason why that is, but there are more, you know, I hear of many, and some say, oh, it's just about age, and um, I don't know, you know exactly what but i do think that it it's something that has been i hear about more people getting hearing aids that they use with their iphone and right right well and the thing is um to look at it as as you put it one more riddle and that's i think that what drives a lot of what I write and what I write about is this sense that I have that, now I'm, I'm not being corny here, but, but I really mean this in a way that, that blindness is a gift in many ways. Mm-hmm. And um, when, then this last, these last couple of years, you know, that People have expected me to be miserable and sad and isolated because of the wheelchair and then the walker. And I, and I say, no, you know what? If this is going to happen, a blind person is the best person for it to happen to because we already know that there's always a way. We mm-hmm. already know that there's, mm-hmm. but you've got to find it. You've got to, um, I'm going to steal your word riddle. It's perfect. You know, we've got to solve that riddle. Mm-hmm. And and um, and so if you if you look at your blindness that way and and the various situations that blindness puts you in you know medical situations educational employment whatever um, and look at it as a, you know a, a challenge to figure it out solve the puzzle then you know it it, it can just serve you well. Um, in, in every aspect of life. so. Well, I really, um, I use that word riddle hoping that all those people that walk around thinking that they are, quote, able-bodied will get <laughs> it's a riddle for all of us. Because really, you know, here you are, you're talking about hearing impairment, you're talking about, you know, not seeing, using a walker, having been in a wheelchair, <laughs> and I just have a feeling just from, you know, the fact that we knew Gail and she, you know, thought we should get together and, you know, right. become friends. I think we know that there's this spirit 
that we are and that we have that is more than all of those things. Exactly. Exactly. And that is the thing that keeps us going. Yeah. You know, I really think um, it is. And I tell people now, I didn't think of this. I used to say, oh, vision is in the mind. And I think it is. I mean, because perception is in the mind. But what I say lately is, you know what? Spirit does most of its work in the unseen. So I've got a head start. I'm already (laughs) And and it's grand. And it doesn't mean it's, you know, fun every day or everything. But... Right. I, I am right with you. I think in many ways, wow, yeah, it's it's a blessing. It's a gift. Yeah. Well, I am thrilled that we have spent this time. So am I. Thank you. You are a credit to our community. You're a credit to um, the work that you bring forward. I'm cheering you on. Well, thank you. I am a fan in a corner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Not that you have to be in a corner, but I am definitely a fan. <laughs> Thank you. Do you want to tell people how to reach you? Kendrick, K-E-N-D-R-I-C-K dot Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H at gmail.com. Thank you, Deborah, And thank you all for listening and for daring to live on the inside track. The American Council of the Blind plays an important role in the daily lives of blind and visually impaired individuals all over the country. Whether it's making products and services more accessible for the blind, advocating for appropriate education for blind students, issuing scholarships to deserving college students, fighting for accessible currency, along with a host of other issues, it takes contributions from all of us. You can help by joining the Monthly Monetary Support Program, MMS. It's a great opportunity for members and friends to make sure these efforts continue. What ACB does enhances all of our lives. For more information, go to our website, acb.org, click on the donations link, go to the MMS tab, and enter, or call 612-332-3242.